Two lifelong Houston sports guys named Adam, raised by Earl. Molded by the magnificent roller coaster ride that is Houston Sports. Chill H Town for the only homegrown afternoon team is talking your teams. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A team. Chamber of Commerce weather. I just wanted to see your reaction when I did Here's that. Here's my reaction. Can I make a request? Yes. You know I will never, ever, ever say that. So if you also agree to never say that, we'll never hear it on our show again. Hey, Joe. Chamber of Commerce weather here in the city of Houston before game three of the World Series. You know what I almost did earlier today? What? I tweeted out that note about how awesome the Astros bullpen has been here in the postseason and over the last five games. I saw it. You tagged me in it. Well, I was going to hashtag it. What were you going to hashtag it? Hashtag arm barn. Oh, my gosh. Well, you made your reference just like you said you would yesterday. Between 3 and 3.15, you said you would absolutely make an arm barn reference. And there it is. Can you do me a favor? Never use that on oh, our show no, again. Really? It's and already out. I won't use it again, and we'll That's never a, have to hear it on the show again. It's not a fair trade, but it's an acceptable negotiation. It's exactly a fair trade. It's not a fair trade. That's Chamber of Commerce weather. They're never going to no, call no, that no, an no, arm no, barn. No, it's not. It's nice. It's a nice day. Right. The Chamber of what Commerce. What the bleep of Houston, is the Chamber of Commerce? It's the group of come on, people, people that want you to come to Houston and enjoy people? it. Who are the these Houston people? The Houston Tourism Bureau? Yes. <laughs> That's basically the, the gist of it. Yeah. They I do know. other things, I guess. I mean, I should be in favor of old references like Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, but I, in Dad. fact, am not in favor of references like <laughs> it's that. Fine. It is a good Friday for us to be talking about your teams, and one of them in particular. That won't quite look like it has over the last couple of games of this series, over the last six games of their series against the Boston Red Sox, over the four games of their series against the Chicago White Sox. Because Luis Garcia will be wielding a stick at some point in this game, unless he's even more dreadful than he's ever been before in his life. He might even bat in the first inning, though, before he even throws a pitch. You never know. The Astros lineup is out. Neither team will take batting practice today. You know why? Because Rob Manfred has done it again, ordered the roof open at Truist Park today, and it is a light drizzle out there, so the teams have decided to forego BP. Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Brantley playing in right. Alvarez, Correa, Tucker. Alvarez in left, Tucker in center. Yuli, Martin, Maldonado. And Luis Garcia, you're nine in the lineup today for the Astros. Dusty's got an extra stick on the bench today. They will not be starting a rookie center fielder for the first time this postseason because they don't have that option because the designated hitter is not an option for National League Baseball. And that's what they're playing tonight right here on Sports Talk 790 as we roll through this program and get you to our on-deck show live from Atlanta with uh, Chris Gordy and Michael Connor, and then, of course, Robert Ford and Steve Sparks will take you through tonight's ball game. A rather important swing game in the series. It certainly doesn't dictate who will win. Last series tied at a game apiece. Astros traveling on the road for the first game of the series in Game 3, and they lost 
to the Boston Red Sox and then ultimately turned everything around, won the next three, and that's why they are here. Luis Garcia for the Astros, Ian Anderson uh, for the Braves. The Braves will take the pearly white stick out of Jock Peterson's hand, and uh, he will be on the bench for tonight's game. Jorge Soler will shift from designated hitter into the that? one outfield, one of the outfield spots. Isn't Jock and their Peterson pitcher will also hit a pretty hot bat to be taking out of your lineup? Uh, no, he's actually an incredibly ice cold bat. Once they decided to stop using him as a pinch hitter, so it's actually uh, scary. That's actually he's true. Hurt. Three so, pinch hitting bats. Hurt? Yeah, I was listening to Sparky and, and Roberts call for game two. And Sparky kept talking about how every time Jock would swing, he would take his left hand off the bat. And he so did like have a rest- Devers? Yes. And he did have a wrist injury that kept that put him on the IL when he was with the Cubs this year. Hmm. So I think Pearl Jock Peterson... necklace, Pe- wrist injury. Why do you have Jock to do that? Jock Peterson will not be in the lineup tonight. Three pinch hit at bats this postseason. <laughs> two homers. Since he was inserted into the starting lineup because he was so darn hot, he's basically been awful at the plate. So I don't know that it'll diminish their chances a whole heck of a lot. But nonetheless, that's what we will be faced with. So we'll have a chance to run through some of those things. Interesting conversation with uh, Luis Garcia and the media yesterday as he got set for today's game. The uh, teams will meet with the media again today in advance of tonight's cold, dreary, wet day. It doesn't look like it's going to be inclement weather and a downpour but it appears the game will be Wait. played under cold and wet conditions. Is there a chance that the Astros' starting pitcher pulls a hamstring due to this weather? I'm having flashbacks to 2005. I mean, Luis Garcia is how old? And the pitcher who did that was how old? Exactly. I don't, not too concerned about that. They Similar in, body types. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, they played in cold weather in Boston this last series, and I don't think it had much impact on the pitcher's ability to stay healthy, and I don't think it will here either. Now, if the ball's wet or if it gets that rainy, maybe there's a, some sort of impact, but both teams will play under the same conditions. Not ideal, but perfectly acceptable for a Game 3, because quite honestly, uh, you never know how it actually will play out, but we can play it out on paper here today. If they were to have a rainout, and in fact today turned into a second consecutive off day, and the off day that was planned uh, for uh, the days they, they finish up in uh, Atlanta and travel back to Houston on Monday would be gone, and you'd play five days of five games... Without an off day in between, now it allows a bullpen day to go away, but it takes away your day of rest in between games five and six. I'm not definitive on who I think that favors. That's what I was going to ask. But it appe- to me, it would appear to favor the Braves because they're looking at back-to-back bullpen days before they can get to a starter. Unless this game was rained out, then maybe it's just one bullpen day. The Astros obviously could bump their rotation around a little. You could have Framber Valdez uh, pitching a day earlier. You could have uh, Jose Arquiti pitching on normal rest, but uh, a day earlier and, and everything. Again, we'll see if they get to that point. Uh, Who's today's is game though? is not expe- same as always, Major League Baseball and the umpires. Well, but in the regular season, isn't it the home team that it's affecting the venue? Isn't it their call as to whether or not, or is it always Major League Baseball? Yeah, the home teams don't and have you, that. Forgive kind of me call. for asking, but I have to because. It's Major League Baseball's well, I mean, call if the roof is open man, in the that World would be Series. nice if the home teams could do that. I'm sure they well, would the bra- use it to their favor. Braves would absolutely say, ah, let's yeah, but, just play tomorrow. Which is why they don't. That yeah. would be an, a very unfair home field advantage. Yeah, but, you know, the uh, commissioner wanted the roof open, and I don't think the Astros okay, would have. We didn't talk about that after the fact a whole lot. Obviously, that uh, 
game had i said it before and i certainly feel this way after if there's some sort of uh, weather that does end up impacting the game wind swirling ball carrying a little bit more it does whatever the case may be i don't feel like it has any true impact on who who it favors your your winning versus your losing that's why i never cared if the roof was open or not you only cared about the principle of a commissioner on the day of the game trying to enact his wishes on what they would have and again i just don't know how that could ever play out that way if you want the roof open for games in houston well the day the astros clinch their playoff berth you should be talking to the astros and their gm and their manager and their staff and everybody else about the possibility that when and if we get there this is what we'll be looking at and we'll check a look at the weather and if it fits then this is what we're going to do instead of what appeared to play out otherwise the astros don't want this and james click was uh, being super diplomatic on wednesday morning uh, when he was on with sean salisbury talking about the possibility of the roof being open and he wants a home field advantage if it were up to them if it were up to the players they would have the roof closed it's not the end of the world if they have to open it and they had to open it and they won a game and yeah. they broke a home losing streak in the World Series. And they tied the series up at a game apiece. Exactly. And they lost a game with the roof closed. Everything I mean, went the Astros' way not, that it could have. Right. It isn't the defining factor. No. Or and, close. and I want to be clear that I wasn't, you know, jump, you know, jumping up and down and screaming at that. It was just what you mentioned. The principle that the uh, commissioner decided to interject not only how he did, but when he did. And as usual, Rob Manfred rubs people the wrong way no matter the situation because they were asking him about uh, the legacy of the Astros if they were to win the World Series, and all he was going to say was, you know what, it's going to be a great World Series, and that's all I'm going to say about it. What he said was basically the same thing he said when the punishment was handed out Correct. to the Astros. You guys decide. Yeah. It's up to the fans to see how they perceive it. And look how that's turned out. It's really, really good well. for baseball and growing the game. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even know if he's the worst commissioner today. Like I said, whose favorite? his favorite person is Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell's favorite person is Manfred. Okay, let me ask you this, because you mentioned that the other day, and since we're on the subject, what is it about Goodell, ultimately? I know there's a lot of things. You know things. what I think about Goodell? I think he is, like, he should be, he's kind of like Tom Glavin. Let me put it that way. Okay. He's a thief. He's a cheat. He's it- stealing money. Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, Greg Maddox, and you heard someone talking about them earlier today on the station. Uh, they didn't really cheat. They just threw pitches that weren't strikes and allowed the umpire to do the dirty work. Oh, these are strikes today? So well, I'll just keep but throwing the thief it there. is actually the umpire then. Okay, so Roger Goodell is just flat out, he's stealing money. Like, the amount of, of it. The amount of, he's getting $2 million per owner per year on a, just a rough estimate. Is he still estimate. at 55? Well, there's 30 teams, that would be 60 million. 32 teams, 64 million, so 128 million over two years. Like, for what? Like, these owners are such... And I don't want to lump them all in together. I know a few of them would fit. They're such sleazeballs. They need that much from this guy. Look, we, we're we bad people. We don't want to be in the front of anything. We don't want to catch any heat from anybody. We don't want anybody to know what we're doing behind closed doors. We want to do things badly and um, illegally, potentially. But we want you to be out front of all this so you can protect us all. Is that cool? What's it going to take to get you to do that? How about $60 million a year? Done. And it really is a drop in the bucket when you think about that it's collective. It's it's great. It's, it's easy to afford. But he, how is this justified? It's insane. Well, because he's, he's doing the, exactly what you just said. So give him $500,000. Well, 
He wanted more. It's incredible how the commissioner this of this billion sports league, dollar league. Great, but it's not because of him. No, but if like if they're he rewarding says him that, for what? Yeah, but I mean, it's th- crazy. how many people in the NFL are making insane money that don't deserve it just because they well, work in the NFL? Sure. But this is way over the well, like I, way way trust way me, over. They're the all top. doing a whole lot more for their money than he probably is. Honestly, I know it's not easy to stand up in front of a room when everybody hates you and just take the bullets. I mean, it's basically it sure it is. Pay, you but, don't have to say anything. But it really is. But he basically gets million dollars, millions and millions and millions of dollars to walk out on one of the most exciting days of the year, the NFL draft, and bro get, hug a bunch of guys and get booed. Yeah. That's and, easy. And just to be the bad guy at all times. That's, I'd do it. I'd do it for a fraction of what paid he gets. To be the guy that stands in front of you when you're getting shot. I'd be an awesome commissioner, by the way. Because you know, I, he's I would just. NFL Secret Service? Yeah. yeah. That's yes. basically what he is. He really but is. But they're firing like rubber bullets and they're guns with no blanks. ammo. Blanks. It's true. Tweets are blanks. That's all they are. They so, can't hurt you. Just a mini little side topic for today's program. But the games themselves will continue. We've now had our weekend opener on Thursday night. Went exactly as expected. Interception on the next to the last play of the game from (laughs) Kyler Murray to former Texans cornerback Rasul Douglas because his own teammate, A.J. Green, he didn't get the signal. Didn't see the play call. Never looked for the football. And the wide receiver lists, almost, Packers, Handed the Arizona Cardinals their first loss of the season. Uh, Some interesting stuff from Brian Flores once again today, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, as we drift another day closer to the NFL's trade deadline Tuesday of next week. Last games of the season before the trade deadline will come. The Texans' last game before the trade deadline, obviously then, is Sunday. Home for the Rams. The Texans will be starting Davis Mills, as expected, so we'll give you the details on why that is the case, among other things, as we take you on an awesome, fun, energetic, and exciting Friday ride here on the A-Team, if you couldn't tell. I like it. I also like Living Designs Furniture and Texas Mattress Makers. Let's start with the latter. That company has been around for years and years and years, and I've been telling you about it right here on Sports Talk 790 because they give you the best sleep at the best price guaranteed and that's exactly what it is they tailor make mattresses for you they fit you for the mattress beforehand then they build it according to the specifications based on your needs your partner's needs and it's the best sleep of the best price guaranteed because they manufacture it on site at 4619 navigation at the corner with lockwood they've been there for years the factory is on site and they pass along the savings to you via the lack of the cost of shipping well, that's what they're doing at Living Designs Furniture. The same thing, the, the same high-quality craftsmanship you're getting in the mattresses, you're getting on furniture. Whether it's a sofa, whether it's a chair, whether it's an entire uh, room of furniture, your entire home can be furnished like this. And you pick out the materials, you design how it looks, you talk about it all with the good people at Living Designs Furniture, and you'll see the difference. Highest quality furniture, lowest possible price, because it's manufactured right here in our great city. It's Living Designs Furniture and their website, livingdesignsfurniture.com. Adam and Adam are so Houston. They still can't successfully manage their roundabout on Maine. Hey, this is H-Town, not London Town. Back to Adam Clinton and Adam Wexler on Sports Talk 790. Mm-hmm. 
It is the A-Team here on Sports Talk 790. you got the Astros in Atlanta for games three, four, and five, for sure. Well, those are the only games that will be played in Atlanta. Whether one is played here or not still remains to be seen. I'm secretly rooting for it. I know that means the Astros have to lose at least once in Atlanta, and that's going to suck. does mean you might have a uh, private hangar celebration when the Astros return. I, it will mean you will have a parade a touch sooner than... But don't you want them to clinch here? If you yeah, had I, your, your well, choice. F- uh, if nothing else had ever happened, the Under answer the would Texas be yes. Under the Texas sky, potentially? Well, yeah, if nothing else had ever happened in the past, I would say yes for sure. But they have won a World Series before. And it wasn't here. I know. So let's try it the other way. Let's try it but when it is here. Clinching on the on the field at Dodger Stadium was pretty sweet. Clinching in Atlanta is just like great. You clinched in the suburbs of Atlanta, or as Brian T. Smith calls it, the Woodlands. Yeah, none of that, that stuff was awesome. is awesome. Either you're here, or you're not. It doesn't really matter where you are if you're not here or, or what circumstances they are. It's all about. I mean, what's going to happen here in Houston when they clinch? Whether or not they're here, the streets will be full. Now, if you do it at uh, Minute Maid Park. Where obviously I would think forty plus thousand sellout fans will be inside, and so many more will be outside. By the way, there is another, and there will be for each of these three games watch parties at Minute Maid Park for the ball game. You make sure you can tune in to Stephen Robert on the call for that tonight, and enjoy yourself out there if that's where you so choose to spend your evening. Uh, but uh, I just would think, hey, let's 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 try it the other way, see what it's like. Now that means you're going to lose one game in Atlanta, but I kind of expect that already. I, I just don't. It's hard enough to do when you consider this Astros five-year run in the postseason. Outside of the mini-series sweep of the Twins, which really doesn't count anyway on two fronts, it was a mini-series, best of three, mm-hmm. and it's the Twins. Right. Which sweep have the Astros enjoyed the most during this time? Didn't they sweep Cleveland? Okay. And? That's it, right? It's not easy, and that obviously no, it, was it not, not a four-game best-of-seven series. And they weren't as good of a team as Atlanta. It's just, I, I don't expect, and, and this obviously isn't a sweep, but if the Astros come back home as champions, that means they would have won four straight games. You sweep the road game. Sweep the road games and head into the road games off of a win here. So four straight wins, even in the postseason, closing out a series with two, opening the next series with two. I mean, if you go through some crazy run, we, we're obviously focused on the NBA for half the year, and you know having that happen, that's normal. You know These teams that go through a postseason with 16 wins in 20 games or something like that, or a 15-2, and two, a 15-3 and three postseason. Those things are so incredibly rare in baseball. Just almost never. And we've talked about how awesome this team has been prior to this year. This year, they weren't favorites. Even at really, maybe before the year, they were among the favorites. As the year went on, they certainly didn't remain the favorite. They just were a clear favorite to be at the party. All year long, everyone thought they would be there in the postseason. But they weren't considered uh, the team with the best odds. And that's different from some of the previous seasons where... They were expected to, I mean, you had to pick somebody, and if you pull everybody's picks together, if you got a majority that has picked one team, there is your favorite. The Nobody Astros were the favorites. that when the Astros and the Nationals got to the World Series and game games one and two were going to be played here in Houston at Minute Maid Park, nobody thought that the road team would win every game in that series and oh. that the Nationals would be the champs. No question about it. Let's take you to Twitter just for a moment to get you caught up on what's going on in the uh, ATL. Uh, a little while ago, or uh, actually in this case, it was nine days ago, uh, the Astros posted a tweet uh, with a picture of Jose Altuve dapping up Reggie Jackson to Houston Astro October Legends. Uh, 
and now it's been nine days, but Reggie actually finally uh, responded to it. He wasn't asked for a response, but he decided to, yes. to do so. Love this guy and the way he goes about playing the game. I'll take you to some of the people that are there on site. Uh, Chandler Rome, Michael Brantley is doing early work in right field at Truist Park. Uh, right now, Joe Spada hitting him fungo ground balls and line drives into the right field corner. That was 11 minutes ago. Four minutes ago, our friend from uh, eleven uh, Channel 11 in Atlanta, Maria Martin, she tweets with a video. And just like that, tarp headed back on. And 42 seconds ago, friend of the station... Brian T. Smith from the Houston Chronicle uh, tweeted out a picture of fans uh, looking to get away from the weather conditions. A couple fans in jackets, uh, one fan in a blue t-shirt with a red undershirt carrying a metal trash can. And Brian T. captioned it with, trash can, obviously, for rain cover. Of course he did that. He'll set the scene a little bit for you there in Atlanta. It is going to rain. I hope this does not impact the game for one, a postponement, and two, a delay. Uh, the last thing anybody wants when we're down to the last three to five games of the season. Gave you the lineup for the Astros. Uh, it obviously also looks a little different for the Atlanta Braves, as I mentioned. No Jock Peters in the lineup. Uh, Astros throwing a righty, and while that does take a left-handed hitter out, uh, maybe one that's not quite 100%, it does not take Jorge Soler out of their lineup. He goes from DH to right field. He'll bat fifth again, as he did at Minute Maid Park in Game 2. Rosario on left, Freeman, Albies, 2-3, Riley, Soler, Duvall. Uh, Riley's at third, Duvall is in center. Travis Darno, as expected, back behind the plate for Ian Anderson. He'll bat seventh. Danby Swanson up from the ninth spot to the eighth spot. And Ian Anderson is the starting pitcher for the game. He was a starter throughout the year, had a really, really strong initial major league campaign, and hasn't pitched poorly in the playoffs, but they have not asked him uh, to pitch deep into games. He's only thrown 12 innings in his three starts, a three-inning, four-inning, and five-inning outing, and I would expect somewhere in that three- to five-inning range. Once again, even if he is pitching well, their bullpen's best arms uh, were not used in Game 2, even though some of those guys threw incredibly well. Uh, but it does mean Minner, Matzik, uh, Will Smith uh, should be available for potentially more than just three outs in tonight's game if Anderson can get him there. Um, by the way, there are people that are freaking out about the tweets you just mentioned. Uh -oh. Well, they're just like, we're not having baseball tonight, are we? Well, I think the tarp being on the field to protect it from the next three and a half hours of rain That's makes sense. Making it so that you can have baseball tonight. If they don't put this tarp on right now, you don't want Jordan's knees out there. You don't <laughs> want... Well, Come saying, on, Dusty. What? What? Jordan's knees are fine. He's a triples machine. Well, if I were going to say it like Dusty, I'd have to be like this. <clears throat> uh, his knees are fine. And, well, he uh, wouldn't say that. He'd say they, they're concerned. You know, he's can, he, some can he slide yet? You know, we don't. Can he go first to <laughs> third? Know, I'm, 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 <laughs> but it's, we're six months removed from that. To be I fair, I need to get after myself. I haven't worked on a Dusty impression. That's good, don't you think? I mean, no. that's good for Dusty, that it hasn't required you to think I need to have one. Well, I can't do it now. Exactly. Too much has happened. No, need to. Nothing. We'll save it for another day when it feels more uh, relevant to uh, what Dusty's got going. Everybody is tweeting that this tarp is going back on the field. I've never seen anything like this. Well, there, what else are you going to do? You can't, I know. There's but no BP to talk about. There's nothing else happening. All it's raining does, and the tarp is going on. Th this is the most local news-ass thing I've ever seen. 
Well, uh, I'm standing here in a puddle of water, even though there's perfectly we're not dry going ground over to your here. Twitter. It's just it's it's sensationalism. And it's not even sensational. It's a tarp. They're not doing anything. But what are they causing to have happen when they Nothing. do that? Nothing. Oh my gosh, they're not gonna have that's baseball. It's not, not their fault. It is their fault. They're the ones we're not in Atlanta seeing well, no, that. They're just tweeting that the tarp is going on and then people are saying we're not gonna have baseball. That's not their fault. Can I read you one but more? What did they tweet? think the people were gonna say when they tweeted that video? It must not be raining. I mean, come on. Are you okay with me reading you one more tweet? Of course. Uh, the tweet contains three pictures of uh, right-handed pitchers throwing the baseball. Andre Scrub is one of them. Uh, Rafael Montero. Uh, no, that's. Uh, I'm going to go with Pedro Baez is another. I can't quite make out who the other is. And it's from our good friends over at the Skeeters. Oh, yeah? And it only reads Arm Barn. Oh, my God. They're listening, aren't they? I hope so. And they're trolling they didn't, me. I mean, it wasn't directed to me. But Shout I, out to the Skeeters. To They've it. been good to us all season long, too. And, uh, I forgot about that Pedro Baez guy. Do you want to... Do you want, uh, what's that? I forgot about Pedro Baez. Well, he just was unable to pitch more than a couple outings for the team this year. Not the best several million dollars spent this offseason, but worth the risk. It You didn't expect that. It was a new injury. It was reasonable because what did he try to do he tried to fix the bullpen and he ended up having to do it in the middle of the season or the second part of the season at the deadline i'll give you those numbers on what the bullpen has done here in the postseason what they have done even more spectacularly uh over their last five games part of the game notes uh, for the astros so share that with you as we continue here we will get into the nfl side of things not only over the course of the next two hours and change but specifically at five o'clock when we have football at five for you that will be when aaron reese of the athletic joins us david cully met with the media today and made a definitive statement about the Texans starting quarterback one that was expected we'll get into that in a little bit as well let me tell you about putting some money in your pocket you're driving around in a vehicle you just don't want anymore well how about you sell it and how about you get car bingo to buy it carbingo.com is where you go Phone them up at 87-CAR-BINGO, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to get a real offer for that vehicle, and it's going to take a grand total of two minutes. And then they're going to pick up your car for you, and then they're going to pay you top dollar right there on the spot. So stay with me here. You dial 87-CAR-BINGO, then you get your offer, you trade it in or you sell it, and you're going to get paid on the spot. Carbingo.com online, same thing. Get your information in, get your offer. You can sell that vehicle. Carbingo looking for drivers to come pick up those vehicles from you. So if you're looking for a job, they need drivers. Same number. Call 87 Carbingo. 87 Carbingo or Carbingo.com. Real offer in two minutes. You get the offer, trade in or sell, and you're getting paid top dollar on the spot. Put your arms around me, baby. Oh, smart device. So hot. Want to touch the hiney? No need to touch me, Mr. Sandler. Just ask me for Houston Sports. Thank you very much. Tell your smart device to play Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. Well... Sports Talk 790's Twitter account joined in on the fun as one. I think you've already said that, but the list of media outlets showing us that it's raining in Atlanta right now. Um, the tarps on well, the field I, again. The joining in stuff is. I'm glad. It's, no, it's it's called we're covering the game and this is what's happening. Well, what I'm saying is 
it's not going to that that is not a sign that they're not going to have baseball tonight. Has any tweet that you're referencing indicated that? Not a single one. Okay, our boy Lalima quote tweeted it just now and said, Thank goodness. I'll be very surprised if they get the game in tonight. <laughs> so by everyone... I'm throwing him under the... Wexler. By everyone... So yell at your son. Yeah, I'm going to. By everyone in the slogan, H-Town versus everyone, he's including Mother Nature. Yes. He's including Mother Nature. God, who, whatever you want to believe in. Yeah, all right. Uh, I see I see. Uh, uh, Lulamon Ambassador... Lululemon? Thank Lulu you. Lemon. God, I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to Jeez. fix yourself. Raheel Ramzanali, LOL, this game isn't happening. Well, Hashtag build a roof. Funny that you build mentioned a roof. Lululemon because that's that's Lalima's favorite pair of uh, uh, Capri have, sweats. Have you ever worn their pants? Come on now. Not those <laughs> pants. Would you stop? Did you just ask Adam Wexler? I mean, seriously, dude. But what, Come okay, on, if I, if I went to Lululemon. Have you ever seen him wear sweatpants? I will no, but never. No, like, no. Here's the thing. Like, like playing sweatpants. No, no, I'm out. They've been out for decades. So how are you going to ask if he's like bought the most expensive sweatpants? Well, what on I'm the saying is, no. There are like they're they look the way jeans do, but they're like slacks, but they're Lululemon material. If that makes sense. Yeah, if that makes sense to any of you guys out there, our listeners, then by no, all means, like Blum wears them all the time on the set. For example, he wears them like when they made him, you know, not up and wear a jacket. He hates that, by the way. He would wear those with like some Nikes, but they're very comfortable. They're very stretchy. If if we got you a pair, would you wear them instead Absolutely of your dad pants? Absolutely not. Did you hear pants? I said what that, Joe? Absolutely about? not. Dad pants. What section of the store do I get those in? Do you have pleats on your pants? No, I'm not Jim Harbaugh. No, those are khakis. You said pants. Yeah. What's the difference? Well, he always wears khakis. Well, first of all, I don't have pleats in any of anything I wear. Okay. They, I did. I'm not saying I never did. Uh, that's but what I'm I saying. Currently, that's don't good. because they are not in. Right. And they haven't been in Flat for quite front. some time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Not pleated. But you're not going to wear the uh, Lululemon pants. No. Why not? What for? Because they're comfortable. Do I not look comfortable now? You never look comfortable. Well, that's the other me- night, That's mentally. Joe, this is something that I haven't revealed to either of you. The other night we're but the I was game, there right? for this. Yes, you were there. But you didn't reveal it this, to me. That's yet. this. That's the root of this All story. Right, here he goes. It's going to reveal something to so me. So we're sitting and out. We're sitting out on Pluto in our uh, media seats in the in the mezz- What do you even call that? It's like whatever center is, field pavilion. Uh, what? It's, but it's above the mezzanine. Mezzanine yeah, means the, cheap seats in baseball language. The pavilion is those seats that overlook us, the nuns, etc. Yes. Which you took a great picture of them behind you. I had to double check and make sure it was a satisfactory picture, considering the angle I took it from. They're nuns. They're not wearing short skirts. They're wearing... No, I think he's talking about his chins. Oh. <laughs> well, that was wow. quite the well, shot. Make, make, but no, make considering sh- I've no. said it before myself, I'll, I won't, sure I won't fire you for the it. second day in a row. I already fired you yesterday. You're fine today. You're clear for the day. <laughs> came back. Yeah. I understand. what I know what you meant. You said exactly what you meant. There's no dancing. That's literally so, exactly what you meant. No, I trying. meant we're sitting in center field. And in the seats directly over our heads and back like 10 feet. Standing room only seats. That's where they had... The nuns. The rally nuns. Yeah. So if I took a picture of them from where I'm sitting, I'm 
shooting up. Well, they literally put them in the farthest possible place from home plate in the stadium unless you're sitting on the roof. What a nice view. Yeah, no, it's fine. There's not a bad seat in that place. I say all this, and I don't know if Joe's aware of this. When Wex is at a sporting event, if you've ever observed this creature in this environment, it is the most spectacular thing ever. If you're not sitting right next to him, which we weren't, because he had, he had, you were sitting like one section over. I had secured a seat over. a little bit further away. So, yeah, you know. it was actually a better seat it was because better it wasn't seat. an obstructed view of first base like Correct. our seats. But I digress. I uh, I elbow Ross and I go, look at Wex right now. He's so Wex. And this is you. Like everybody that had been sitting on either side of you had already headed downstairs because a lot of them were photographers, that kind of thing. And so you're, and you don't care. You're by yourself. No. On your laptop, but you're observing everything going on, and you're making the most wex expression ever. And I swear, to I should myself? have taken my. I wasn't even well, talking. You're not to talking anybody. anybody. Certainly no. not. That's why it was funny because it was like, I wish I could have. Ta- I, I should have taken my phone out and taken a picture of you because there's no way to describe it other than if you guys have ever met Wex in person, you know what I'm talking about. He's just the most unique personality you will ever. Ever. You don't agree? I mean, I'm unique. No personality though. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, lo- Joe loves this segment, by the way. I wish I could have shown you Joe, though, because you would have been you would have appreciated it because you work with him every day. He's just making these expressions like, "What is that?" and oh, this again, and then just kind of squinting his eyes to himself, and just it, I can't really. You just got to see it. I, I should have taken a video. It's on me for not doing it and posting it. I would have gotten your permission before I posted it. But I would have probably accepted declined. or declined. You okay. would have declined. Gotcha. I don't know. You might have been like, I don't care. Can I give you a weather report? Yeah. That's that's what I've been angling for. It's been for like five minutes segment. since the last time we checked in. So in Atlanta, it is expected to range all the way between 50 and 52 degrees throughout the entire night. If they play a four and a half hour ball game, that's the temperature they expect to be playing in. The tarp is on the field currently as the conditions call for cloudy weather up until the top of the hour, showers to come down between 5 and roughly 6.30, turns to a light rain, and then it's supposed to be cloudy the rest of the evening. So So the tarp tarp. is on the field to protect them from the part of the afternoon into evening where it's expected to rain the most, which it is currently doing. Before the game starts. While the forecast does not call for rain during the time they're going to be playing, or if it does, it's expected to be light rain. Tarp protects the grass before they go out there to play. Teams have already decided not to take BP because of it. And then the expectation is they will bring that tarp off closer to game time, closer to when the weather conditions aren't that bad, and they'll play baseball. How much do you think not taking BP affects a team, any team, not just these two, just in general? Um, Zero. I'm trying to think of a better answer than that, but that's the answer. Whatever less of that is. <laughs> I'm trying to. Oh, but don't you think, especially for the Astros, look, it's not, I mean, we talked about it the other day, but it's not the end-all, be-all. It's routine stuff. What do you gives, do before a game? But this gives, is what you do, and right, today you're not going to do it. But it gives the Astros a better feel for that stadium that they don't play a lot of games in and haven't played there since 20... Well, they haven't played the Braves since 2017. And let's act, yes, 2017, uh, July 4th holiday. They played a couple of games there. They also played them a couple of games here. Even though it has no relevance, they absolutely smacked them around. They beat them all four games, beat them 38-13 to 13 overall in those four games, but very few players from those teams are on these teams. Should say one thing, though, about BP. We're using the BP term far too literally. Uh-huh. 
during the time they take BP, they're also fielding the ball. They're taking uh, infield balls. They're taking outfield balls. And Jose Altuve said something very specifically uh, when he was on set after their game to win that will impact this team a little bit. He said he takes tons and tons of ground balls whenever they're at another ballpark and will especially want to do that when they're going to this ballpark because they're never there. Wants to take grounders in the outfield. He's already thrown two guys out from the outfield, his normal shift position in this mm-hmm. series, and he wants to do more of that, wants to take more grounders. That's going to be a little bit difficult to do when nobody's on the field. So I would say it impacts them a little bit. And just keep in mind these last several postseasons, how many Yankees did he throw out at first from the outfield when they were in the shift? And how many guys in this series has he thrown out from deep into the outfield because of the shift? He wants to know how the ball goes on the grass at Truist Park and he won't be able to figure that out until it's live action. All right, we're going to get to your reaction at 713-212-5790. We're going to get to a number of other things. And Lalima has weighed in on Twitter with a text screen cap. It's all coming up here on the A-Team Sports Talk 790. Hey, uh, most people who have a flex spending account or a health savings account, they know they can use it for LASIK at Berkeley Eye Center. But now you can combine those tax-free savings with an additional $1,500 in savings and 0% financing to make this the best time ever to have LASIK at Berkeley Eye Center. There's only one catch. If you don't use your flex dollars this year, you lose them. So go to BECLASIK.com for details about your tax-free savings on LASIK. That's BECLASIK.com. Stop waiting. Start seeing today at BECLASIK.com. Adam and Adam are so Houston. How Houston are they? Thank you for asking. They, too, have received spankings after staining their good school clothes rolling down the hill at Miller Outdoor Theater. Bad Adams, go to your room. Back to Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler on Sports Talk 790. Rolling through hour number one of Friday edition of the A-Team. And as we wrap things up in a little bit over an hour and a half from now, that means we will send things out to Atlanta for extended coverage of the ball game, both before and after, we've got Astros on deck coming up at 5.30. Our crew, Michael Connor from the Sean Salisbury Show, Chris Gordy from In the Trenches, are on site in Atlanta at Truist Park. They've got on deck for you after the ball game. They will also have the 10th inning show for you live from Atlanta. And obviously in between, Robert Ford and Steve Sparks have the call of Game 3 for you. Luis Garcia on the mound for the Astros. Ian Anderson on the bump for the Atlanta Braves series tied at a game. Of peace currently raining. It is not expected at this point in time that the game will be delayed and or postponed. Obviously, that will not be the case here in Houston for any of the games uh, for that team or the Houston Texans. They have this thing called a retractable roof, technically, on both stadiums. Confirmed, it works at Minute Maid Park. It was just used. Uh, not necessarily the case over at uh, NRG Stadium, tongue-in-cheek, but they don't play many games without the comfort and cover of their roof over there. They will make it to just about the halfway point in the season with their game on Sunday uh, at the Rams. The halfway point of the season technically will come at halftime of their next game because it's now a 17-game season. Uh, So eight games into the season, you're almost there. The Texans riding a killer six-game losing streak as they make their way towards the bottom of the standings and try to earn themselves the best possible draft position. Davis Mills has been in charge of this football team as their signal caller since week two when Tyrod Taylor went down with a hamstring injury, and things have been, as a team, 
not very good since then. They obviously don't have any wins, including that game. Five straight losses with him in charge, and he will be back out there this week. Tyrod Taylor has not yet been activated. The only thing that changed this week is the 21-day window to return from injured reserve was activated, which means he could begin practicing, which he did. But Coach Cully, as expected today, uh, based on how things were going and the ex- expectation that he really wasn't quite ready yet, it's exactly what he said. Tyrod Taylor, not quite ready uh, to take over. So not only will he not start, uh, I would be shocked if he were even activated at this point for this week's game. So another game check coming for Jeff Driscoll. And another week before uh, Tyrod Taylor uh, both becomes active and with it uh, should become the team's starting quarterback. Earlier this week, it was reported that the Texans were making a deal to send Mark Ingram back to the team. He got started with the uh, New Orleans Saints. Weren't sure at the time exactly what the compensation would be. Won't have to wait forever. Just three drafts until you get it. Uh, Probably won't ever get it because I imagine they will get it and immediately turn it somewhere else like Casario has already shown a a propensity to do. But apparently the compensation for Mark Ingram is a 2024 seventh round draft pick from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, The Saints are also offering and has been agreed to a contract for next year for Ingram. And while the Texans sent out their release today on a couple of roster moves, They signed Cravon LeBlanc to the active roster. He's a defensive back, and he'd been on their practice squad. Aaron Wilson had reported that here with us uh, a little earlier in the day. Also, the signing of Jalen Samuels, a running back, to the practice squad. He's got a lot of NFL experience and played quite a bit for the Steelers recently. On the same release, it also indicates half of the move uh, concerning Mark Ingram. It merely says the Houston Texans have traded the following player doesn't say to where and doesn't say for what. Oftentimes they won't give you all the specifics on a deal, but most of the time they will. The the unbelievable lack of specifics here is comical. He's already spoken as a member of the Saints, but that's not included in the release. He is a saint. And I say he's spoken because it was very interesting what he had to say. He was asked about the path back to New Orleans. How did this come about? How did he end up here? Uh, What went down between he and the team and the uh, people in charge of making this move? And he gave a pretty clear, thorough description of the timeline from starting running back for the Texans to helpful player on a hopeful playoff team. For being transparent and honest with me, like um, they said the Saints called and they inquired about me and that they want me. And they said that if it was any other team, this wouldn't even be a discussion. But out of respect for me and what I've done and throughout my career and just how I started here, that they wanted to give me the you know option to make a decision and just let me sleep on it. And uh, I went in and I was like, you know, I told him I was like, Coach Cully, Nick, I appreciate you guys for giving me a chance, giving me opportunity to play ball and believing in me. And um, you know. I don't take that for granted, you know what I mean? So they gave me a chance, they believed in me. And um, just, to be, but to be able to have the opportunity to go back home where I started and, um, you know, be able to help them fight, for, you know, for a championship um, is almost something that I couldn't pass up, you know what I mean? So I'm thankful for them for being honest and transparent and believing in me. And I'm also thankful for, you know, the Saints, you know, wanting to come get me and um, bring me back home. So it was just good news and I'm happy to be back home. Joe, why didn't you play the Shawshank Redemption theme? Why? <clears throat> I just feel like he's happy to be out of here. Well, I, I think it's interesting. My my first actual reaction is, are they being too nice to Mark Ingram uh, let's, like they did with J.J. Watt? We can address both. Let's start with where Adam was. He, he just wants to get out of here. Now, that's not untrue. 
But I'm not all, saying that what he said just now may. It just. It's also doesn't everybody? Duh. Yeah. It's duh. Right. He plays for a one and six football team, and he's probably not very good. But he's looked even worse because of the situation he's in. Nobody's running the ball well. It's not Mark Ingram's fault they can't run the football. I don't think they'd be running the football well with a good offensive line or a good scheme either. But he's never averaged this low of a yards per carry or even close in his career. He actually came to the Texans off of a bad year, but he'd been so good the rest of his career on good teams that he was among the active leaders in yards per carry. He's averaging 3.2 yards a pop. He's basically had the same number of carries here as he did last year in Baltimore when he was a healthy scratch late in the season. He ran for 299 yards last year. He's run for 294 yards this year. He did it last year on 20 fewer carries. So last year, at 4.2 yards a pop, that was the worst figure he'd had in eight years. And he's a yard less than that this year. An unheard of 3.2 3.2 yards a carry. A couple backs in the league among the 60 or so that qualify that are just barely worse than that. But it is obvious, like Adam said. It's not that he's getting out of prison. It's that, I mean, I like playing football. If you're asking me, do you want to play football for a team going nowhere the rest of the season? Or do you want to play football for a team that has a chance to win, go to the playoffs, do who knows what? It's a no-brainer, especially for a guy at this stage. Then you add in all the other factors. It is New Orleans. It is a team he's played. You know, Going back home is one thing. It's the same coach. It's a lot of the same stuff. He's going to know exactly what he's doing the second he walks in the door there. He's not the starter. He knows his role. He's played with these guys before. It's an unreal situation. Second question Joe proposes, are the Texans being too nice? No, in neither case. In the K, you brought up Watt, we'll start with Ingram. What's the alternative? New Orleans calls, asks for Mark Ingram, and you say, nah, we'd like to keep him. I'd imagine no one else is calling. No one else is calling for Mark Ingram. This is not the first team that's needed a running back. Well, and how much like playing the time is he actually going to get there? Far less than he was getting here, and it was already dwindling. Yep. But it's more fun to go to work when you have a chance to do yep. something. Even if you're, I mean, he's let's say he's playing, and I'll give you the specific numbers of what he had been playing here in Houston. He had gone down to about 38% of the snaps here. And on a per-game basis, week to week, he'd really been between about 35 and 40%, 44% of the snaps on a weekly basis. He's going to get a little bit less than that there. But he's going to be playing for a team that's more fun. And I don't mean this as a personal affront to the Texans, but it's more fun to be around a team that's competing for something. You're competing every week when you play NFL football. You're competing for something when you play for a good football team. He can't do that here. No, I, no. everything about the Texans screams desolation in the middle of an NFL season, and he's in a much, uh, much more... Fun environment. They're just not good. There's nothing. I mean, they're just bad. That's all there is to it. So if you have a chance to go play somewhere else where your team is better and play is relevant, how or relative, how much will he? It's a no-brainer. It's less like the Randall Cobb situation. Randall Cobb didn't play well here and got hurt and knew he was wanted somewhere else and desperately wanted to get out of Houston. The Texans obliged. And paid some of the money to help make it happen. They've been doing that lately. All right, four o'clock hour coming up next. It'll be our last full hour as we will uh, 
step aside a little bit earlier today as uh, Astros Game 3 pregame coverage is going to get underway at 5.30. So get in while you can. 713-212-5790 is your telephone number. 713-212-5790. On the Texans, we'll have Aaron Reese coming up in an hour from now. We've got our Stone Cold Locks and our on-campus visit in the next hour coming up next. It is the A-Team Sports Talk 790. Two lifelong Houston sports guys named Adam talking your teams. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A-Team. So we were doing some shopping this weekend and the days that have followed and I don't know what it is that my son said. The wife looks over to me like, throws her hands in the air, looks at me and says, see, as in, he's you. It's your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that like every hour of every day. I don't think it's fault. I think, yeah, you're right. It is me. How how awesome is that? Now there's two of us at the house. She, She says that he manipulates her. And then yeah, but does, he's, a, he's a young kid. That's I do think that's different, don't you? Well, no, hold on, because he he does the little grin at the end, and she calls it the Adam Clanton grin. Like that's how he gets away with it. But that means she thinks he knows what he's doing. He does. He's so Already? smart, it's stupid. Oh yeah, he's he can name you every species of shark on the planet. Fantastic stuff as we roll back into the 4 o'clock hour here. Astros about to hit the podium in Atlanta at Truist Park in advance of today's Game 3. We'll try to bring you a sprinkling of what uh, Dusty Baker, Yuli Gurriel, and uh, reliever Phil Maton have to say today. There are the three expected to speak with the assembled media in Atlanta, including our own peeps. Michael Connor and Chris Gordy on site with the crew, and they will have you for the Astros on Deck show coming up at 5.30. We knew this going in, and it was never a secret that the Astros would have to shift their outfield a little bit for these games in Atlanta because there is no designated hitter, and they definitely want each of those three left-handed bats in the lineup, and the numbers all back up the reasons why. So do our eyeballs. Kyle Tucker will be in center. Michael Brantley will be in right. Those are positions they don't normally play. And you and uh, Jordan Alvarez will be the left fielder, which obviously is the position he plays when he is not the designated hitter. It's not the most ideal defensive setup for the Astros, and considering what their roster looks like on an American League baseball day, uh, having Kyle Tucker in right where he is a candidate for the Gold Glove Award, and having either of the any of the three center fielders, Jake Myers, Chaz McCormick, who also rates very highly, even in limited duty this year, and Jose Siri, uh, they have an excellent center fielder every game that's in an American League park. And obviously, Jordan Alvarez has become a better uh, player in the outfield, in left field, uh, the more he's been out there. Mistakes aren't being made. Routes are getting run a little bit tighter. Uh, good, better paths towards the uh, flight of the ball, and things like that. So... This is not one of those nights. You never know if it's going to impact the game. You never know what kind of baseball will be played with Luis Garcia on the mound, who often is considered, and, and rightfully so, a fly ball pitcher. So while they may be fly balls, they, they know how to catch. They know how to track. Uh, if it's hit in between the fielders, maybe you have issues. They certainly don't know the uh, the bounces and the configuration of the wall. And luckily, 
Um, this isn't one of your weirder shaped outfields in terms of the fence with a lot it's of very basic, odd, isn't it? It's very basic. So uh, it should be something they don't really truly have to concern themselves with. And again, you're you're digging into things that may or may not even take place as a team who comes off a, a very strong, sound victory in game two. Nice starting pitching from Jose Arquiti. Fantastic bullpen work yet again uh, for the 12 outs they needed from their bullpen group. And plenty of offense to put seven runs on the board, get on the board early, score in the first, put four more on the board in the second. And even though Max Fried clearly steadied himself uh, to get them through the fifth inning after that, the Astros were in a good position by that point and were able to tie up the series and take it on home. Mentioned there were some numbers that the bullpen has posted up uh, when uh, Dusty Baker throws up his right or left hand and Asks for somebody to bolt out of the uh, Astros arm barn and bring some savior out of there and into the game. It's worked. A 2.95 ERA for the Astros uh, relievers and a 2.15 batting average against in their 61 postseason innings. It'll be game 13 of the postseason for the Astros. And their bullpen's already thrown 61 innings at an incredibly successful rate. And as we've seen since the uh, Granky start in Game 4 and through the games of this World Series over these last five, they've allowed an earned run. A one single solitary earned run in 23 innings worth of work while striking out 28. That's a 0.39 ERA over a five-game postseason stretch against the Red Sox offense and the Braves offense. Three of those games on the road at Fenway, and then or two of those games on the road at Fenway, and then obviously the two games here, plus the uh, last game of that series at Minute Maid Park. To be clear and simple, whomever they've turned to in the bullpen has had it that day, has had the good stuff, and that's hard to come by. Braves could say similarly that most of their guys have done the same thing through the Dodgers series, really outside of Luke Jackson, who's now pitched in this series and had a strong outing. I think they wanted to get him out there and see if they could get him some of his confidence back, which they probably did in Game 1. It turns into a battle of the bullpens. Both of them are pitching quite well at this point in time, and it should make for a pretty entertaining chess match, especially in a National League park where you have to consider is my pitcher due up in the next inning? Or is he five spots away? Or is he eight spots away? Or how do I get him eight spots away? Okay, so I, I came up with this theory slash question. I hope it's not too complicated. Uh-oh. It's two Sounds to complicated. Two. It's two to two in the fourth inning. Luis Garcia has pitched 55 pitches. You have runners on second and third with one out, and Luis Garcia is up to bat. You already know it's going to happen, don't Does you? Does Luis Garcia? It's only three innings <clears throat> in. He's barely thrown. He's only thrown fifty-five pitches. Well, if he's thrown fifty-five pitches, he's only gone through two innings because you're well, in the top of the third. Well, I'm I'm saying it's the fourth. Okay, so it's you're it's the fourth inning. So he's pitched three full innings, but runners on second and third with one out, and Luis Garcia is up to bat. Christian are Javier's you, coming in, but no tonight. Christian Javier probably not available. Probably well, not. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. are you pulling Luis Garcia if he's pitching that well through yeah. three? No, but it's, Dusty is. It but sounds simple enough, and I, I wish I wasn't like this. But there's so many other factors that are impossible to know. How sure. how did he really look? That was at three challenging, difficult, got out of trouble innings and still allowed two. Was it he walked How's the first batter stuff? of the second inning and gave up a homer and that's it? And besides that was nails. Yeah. And then similarly, I mean, you got runners on second and third, you got one out, and you've scored twice. Have you been getting to Anderson? Have they already made a pitching change? But here's where I disagree with what you're saying. Everything it sounds right, it mm-hmm. sounds great. 
But that hasn't mattered this year with Dusty. He's well, had we're a quick hook. But, but we're talking is, about something totally different. Yeah. He's, the quick hook doesn't come because of how he's pitching while he's on the mound. The quick hook is coming because he wants to put a bat in the order to get a hit to drive in two runs. Yeah, do you want to put Diaz up with one out and guys on second and third? Or do you just take the L and let Altuve come up with two outs? That's, I, I, think, I the question. don't think they view Luis. I think they probably view him right behind Zach Granke in terms of capable of handling the bat. Much better than Urquidy. You said there's one out, right? Yeah, one out. Why wouldn't he bunt if there's a man on third? You may see the infill, infield positioned That's, accordingly. If there's if there's a man on third and he's up in that particular situation, he's bunting. Yeah, but Especially why wouldn't Freddie he's... Freeman be standing on top of him waiting for it? And he never bunts because he never hits. So well, how good is he? A lot of things are going to have to happen in the next three games because of that scenario. Well, that's but. what this is. It's like that's I think the question is like how does Dusty? We've seen him really effectively manage his bullpen in an American League ballpark, but now that you're in a National League, where he's the most comfortable throughout his career. But like, how does by that? Way. But how does that change? I mean, because you're going to have these scenarios. I mean, where think about it. Isn't, someone's good and they're pitching really great, but right, it's a tight but game and you can get more runs right there. We, we keep talking about all these advantages one team has versus the other, and and we we've talked about how things change because it's a World Series and baseball is dumb and there's not a universal DH. Isn't this a clear Astros advantage that no one's talking about? The guy managing your baseball team has been in the National League his entire career, basically. But how's it an advantage over the other guy who's the well, manager no, of I, a I'm National League it's, team? It's not a guy that's been an All-American League manager. I, I'm just saying from the standpoint of these discussions we're having, Dusty did this every day. Again, I, I know what you're saying. He, he never did that. Because unless you're in the World Series, you would never pinch hit for your pitcher in the fourth inning. That's true. So that's something you'll I have to consider. The comfort level with yeah. these kinds of discussions we're having, or scenarios, or whatever you want to call it. And I think you kind of hinted at this a minute ago when you said it, and and I did it yesterday as well, and never uh, finished up that thought. Dusty Baker yesterday <clears throat> during his media session, and remember the media sessions that Dusty holds in the postseason on off days, means Dusty is dressed up. Yes. Uh, not in uniform, Swag. not wearing Astros sweats or Astros pullovers or a jersey. Uh, so he looks good. He's very sharp. Uh, one day we had a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, yesterday, really nice uh, sport coat. Most days, that's what he brings. He's gone purple uh, before. But yesterday was asked about the idea that we're witnessing the last World Series where we'll play under National League rules and there won't be a universal DH. And the question was posed You've been a National League manager for such a, an enormous part of your managerial career. Uh, kind of, how do you stand on this? How do you see this moving forward? And he was pretty clear that he's said he's going to be sad to see it go. He he thinks it's old school thought, and he mentioned that that's the way baseball's been, and that's what I'd like to see it continue. So he's not in favor of eliminating the designated hitter. Uh, or continuing use of the designated hitter in the National League where it currently does not exist. Isn't that, though, what we've always been talking about with baseball, wanting to grow the game and be more modern and all that? Isn't that the exact opposite of, I mean, this is why they're doing it. It's more offense, potentially. It's it's Now, it's probably slower games, if, if we're being honest. Well, no, because what you're going to see, these games might go longer because now... There's better hitters. Yeah, it just depends. I think it's gonna be longer games. But it's it might be, but like it's it's sexier when 
but, but uh, if you're getting home Diaz runs in these, comes up to bat with runners on second and third and one out versus Luis Garcia up to bat, yeah, with and, runners on second and, and third. And we're we're looking at these most important games of the year. The, these games will swing whether or not you win a championship or not. What about the rest of the year? Six months of this. The last two months where you're playing with teams that are completely out of the race. The first four months where some of these, you know, the Tuesday day game after a night game, these teams just got whatever it is. Nobody cares about the result of that game, nor do you. But these fans are coming to the ballpark every ninth hitter in this, you know, when you come up to the pitch, it's a guy who can't hit. Yep. That's what you're out there to see. And both teams are doing it. Both teams. Like, there's a little bit of of, uh, unexpected joy when. Blank pitcher from the Milwaukee Brewers hits a double off the wall and legs out a, a single into the hole, whatever. I mean, you're not paying to see that. It's neat. Everyone gets on their feet and they smile, but you'd much rather see your ninth place hitter be the catcher. But your fourth place hitter is now a designated hitter who's going to hit 35 bombs and 100 REIs. It's just, it's silly. Yeah. They, they, they don't. Luis Garcia was talking about its hitting yesterday. Yeah. How much have, I've worked on it a little bit. Can you imagine filling out your lineup card every day with a guy who doesn't take BP? Hardly ever. It's crazy. It's stupid. And honestly, like if you ever go to a base when you go to baseball games in the National League and there's two outs and the pitcher's coming up, that's when you get in the beer line. Yeah, I thought it was. That's when you leave yeah, your seat. You're like, true. oh, there's two outs. Okay, time to go to the bathroom. Time to go get a beer. I can't believe how much we bellyached about let's it when the, the Astros crowd. moved to the well, AL. About, and, and revisit your scenario. It's second and third, one out, and the pitcher's up. Well, how'd they get to one out? <clears throat> Because they had the other automatic out right before the pitcher yeah. spot. Yeah. And Martin Maldonado, of course, not an automatic out in game I mean, two. How do you know? I, what if Maldonado's on second? He's on, a, he's on a streak now. You just don't know it yet. There will be intentional walks in this series uh, to the eighth place hitter in these games in Atlanta to mm. force Dusty's hand to make a decision like the one we're proposing. And he will take his toothpick and do what's appropriate with it. He'll take his wristbands, too. That's right. All right, uh, we have got a lot to get to still. We have our signature segment coming up next. That would be our Stone Cold Locks of the Week. You are not going to want to miss that. You're also not going to want to miss what we have right now. It's the Astros Academy Sports and Outdoors update. But before that, I want to tell you, that it's pretty obvious the Astros are playing in the World Series right now. Academy Sports and Outdoors has everything you need to cheer the Strohs on. On the big stage, you can swing by a local Academy store or shop online at academy.com to gear up for all the excitement. We're fully stocked at each of the stores with fan favorites from jerseys to tees, drinkware to decals, and everything in between, all at prices you'll love so don't wait. Show hometown pride today. Find what you need to rep Houston's team at Academy. All right, so the Astros and the Braves, it's game three tonight. The scene has obviously shifted from Houston to Atlanta. A couple of righties going against each other in Luis Garcia and Ian Anderson. And that thing will uh, get underway just after 7.09 tonight. We also have a $50 gift card to give away for you guys, like we've done every single day this week. The Academy Sports and Outdoors uh, $50 gift card today, October 29th, is the anniversary of the epic, and in my opinion, the greatest World Series game ever played back in 2017. It was a walk-off. I need to know what the score was at Minute Maid Park in Game 5 between the Dodgers and the Astros when Alex Bregman came to the plate. 713-212-5790 is your telephone number. 713-212-5790. If you have the answer to that for Joe, 
you will get the $50 Academy Sports and Outdoors gift card. Plenty more coming up here on the A-Team next. Remember that magic eight ball? A nice little shake and... Look at this, I'm getting late tonight. The big announcer guy's giving it to you. You can trust whatever it said. Or you could trust these two guys named Adam. It's a crapshoot either way, but these are your stone cold locks. Just stone cold Simpson! Time for our signature segment on a Friday. That means stone cold locks. And as we head into our stone cold locks, might as well set you up on where things stand. I don't know what happened, but four weeks ago, I decided maybe I should be better at this. Maybe I should try harder. Maybe I should really think a little bit. And I've managed to go 14-2 and two with my last 16 picks. Hey, could you come in here and get me, Joe? Because I'm drowning in all of his self-complimentary adulation. It puts me a whole half game ahead of Joe in the overall season standing. 17-11 for this guy, 16-11-1 for Joe, and even 500 for AC. 3-1 weeks for the two up top, a 1-3 week for AC. That puts Guess I better start AC carrying. in the driver's seat for our selections this week. One got to be from college, one got to be the Texans, the other two are your choice. Well, SMU and Houston is the sexy matchup this week, at least if you've listened to the Matt Thomas show. And everybody's talking about I'll how be there much tomorrow. I know, and you're going to have uh, nice beverages with you as well, aren't you? They'll be ice cold and refreshing. I can tell you that much. I Perfectly it, I, chilled. I knew you would say something like that. The uh, number is 62. I'm going to go against the grain and take the under on this. Mainly, I'm going to take a lot of unders this week. By the way, I'm just letting you guys know because the over has been killing me, and I, I don't know if that's if there's anything to that or if I just got a little over happy, but. SMU at Houston, the number is 62. I'm taking the under. In the NFL, the Giants at the Chiefs. Well, the Giants suck, and the Chiefs suck lately. The number is 52 in that one. I will take the under there. And the only other game that I'm going to take the over in is what I think is going to be the most intriguing matchup of the weekend. The newly minted running back, in New Orleans, Mark Ingram. I'm just kidding. Uh, his Saints are hosting Tom Brady and the Bucks in a division matchup and potential playoff matchup. Mm, one of them will Maybe. definitely be in the playoffs, but oh. this is likely an L for the Saints. Uh, probably. So it means they'll be sitting at four and three, not out of any playoff race by any means. But, <clears throat> but if they do lose, like you're saying, and they very well could, it won't be for a lack of lighting up the scoreboard. The number on this one's 49 and a half. I will take the over in that game. At New Orleans, Bucks and Saints. That's going to be a great game. I hope that the Saints have a little bit more offense than they trotted out there against the Seahawks and Geno Smith's offense Whew. the other night. All right, Joe. All right, one of mine got taken. So I'm going to start here with uh, my, I got two college this week. I'm going to start with Ole Miss versus Auburn. Number is 66. I think they're, they're going to go over that. So over 66 for Ole Miss versus Auburn. I was forced to do Illinois locks earlier on the Matt Thomas show. Asked to, and um, you did. I'm not going to choose exactly what I did on that, but I am going to take the under in the Rutgers and Illinois game. The number is 42. It's Big God, Ten football. So it's Big Ten football at its finest. I'll take under 42 points, and then I also am going to go um, to this Bucks Saints game. I'm going to go. I'm going to take the Buccaneers on the road minus four and a half. 
pretty small number for a team that good, even obviously being on the road. The conditions will obviously be fine inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Tom Brady's kind of having a good year, and he looks like he's in that part of the season where the opposing team's D.C. has no idea who the big receiver is going to be that day. One week it's been Antonio Brown. Most recently it was Mike Evans. Could it be Chris Godwin? And Leonard Fournette has woken up the last couple of weeks. So I think that makes a whole lot of sense. He, like you, you guys will save your Texans uh, pick on the other side. You want to give me an assist on my picks this week? Just give me a number, one or two, Joe. Two. Okay, I wanted to pick from two games with local flavor. Uh, Either the Texas-Baylor game or the Pitt-Miami game. The local flavor in the Pitt-Miami game is Miami's quarterback, when it's De'Eric King, is from Houston, and Pitt's quarterback could end up in Houston, Kenny Pickett. But you gave me the number that sends me to the Longhorn game. Uh, so I will take Texas as a dog at Baylor. Two-and-a-half-point dog I at Baylor. Baylor. I like that pick. I, I wish it was three, but two-and-a-half is... I really wish it was three-and-a-half, but I will take Texas plus two at Baylor. All right, Clint, now you give me a number. Uh, one. I like that because I was picking from two SEC games. I could have taken Kentucky plus one at Mississippi State, but I won't. I will go to the big old party in Jacksonville. Georgia, two touchdown favorites against a fading Florida Gator team in a rivalry game, a 14-point lead or a 14-point line. I will take it. I'll take Georgia minus 14 uh, in the uh, largest cocktail party. And on the NFL side... I didn't like a whole lot of what was out there this week, really, at all. I feel like there's a game or two that's begging me to fall for it, so I'll see if it works. I'm going to take Sunday Night Football's matchup between the Vikings and the Visiting Cowboys. The Cowboys are light years better than the Vikings, unless Dak Prescott isn't playing. I'm going to play a hunch that the Cooper Rush-led Cowboys are not going to be very good on Monday night. How much is it going to hurt you when Kirk Cousins leads the Vikings to victory? Well, I'm betting on the Kirk Cousins-led Vikings (laughs) to do so. You don't think Dak's going to play? I don't think Dak's going to play. See, are you I hearing am, something from somebody you I know in Dallas? No, I mean, it's just what they're talking about, that he practiced I yesterday. I Cowboys minus three because I think he's going to play. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it it's, game time? It, probably. He'll probably be listed questionable when yeah. the final report See, comes out. See, if I out, were them, I would make which him game will be time later even, today. even if you know one way or the other. Well, that's, it's pretty simple. There's no way the Cowboys are three-point dogs if he's playing. They'd be favorites. And if he isn't playing, I'd be shocked if the Vikings were as little as a three-point favorite because Cooper Rush is a... Probably a better option than Andy Dalton was last year. Is he better than Jeff Driscoll? uh, Every quarterback currently in an NFL (laughs) uniform is better than Jeff Driscoll. I don't really think that's much said there. But you guys are like scaring me now. Scaring me away from taking Kirk Cousins Vikings. That pick is locked in. Yeah, so you've already made it. And I hope you lose because I'm tired of bringing up the rear. I have it on the Google Doc. Oh, no, you haven't yet. You know why? I can write on the Google Doc while Clanton is talking, and I'm listening to Phil Maton and you guys. I can't type, talk, listen to you Why? guys, and listen to Phil Maton what are you, all sick? at the same time. So I'm, I'm having a little trouble concentrating on the weather? everything. Yes, Jeez. it's locked in. Minnesota, minus three. It means I get to take the Texans game first, since I went last. Yet again, two touchdown dogs. And we mean the biggest of two touchdowns. The full 16 
The Texans are 16-point dogs in front of their home fans at NRG Stadium on Sunday at noon to the team sitting atop the NFC, basically. Now that there are no undefeated teams, a win by the Rams will tie them for the top spot in the NFL. Have a 7-1 and record, same record as the Packers, same record as the Cardinals. The Rams are going to win. The Rams are pretty explosive. The Texans are not explosive. Literally and the will not least win. explosive team in the league. And we'll talk to Aaron Reese about that at the uh, top of the hour. So for the third time this year, as massive, massive underdogs, the Texans will not cover. I'll take the Rams minus 16 on the road. Joe? Okay. Um, I'm debating between the under and the Rams here. Because I think for the third week in a row, I don't think the Texans are going to score. I'm taking the under. But I feel like the Rams can score 50. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to take the Rams minus 16 as well. I think Aaron Donald's going to kill Davis Mills this weekend. Literally. I, I think Jeff Driscoll will play snaps this weekend. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be you, awesome. Like I can't that's, wait. That's my hunch. Or does Tyrod Taylor come in? I he's don't not, think he's, he's going to be on the roster. Okay. Ready. So well, I'll take the Rams minus 16. I agree with you that I think they could score, but I don't think they're going to score that many. Like, they'll call off the dogs like if it the, gets to like that the point. the Cardinals did, basically. Yes. So that's why I'm going to take the under at 47. Well, think about it. Yeah, the under is, is the play because you have to have the other team score all of the points. Yeah. Now, they're back at home, and Davis Mills was asked about why it's so different home and road, and he obviously didn't have much of an explanation for it, If they, as they usually tell us. Well, if I knew the answer, we would go out there and, and try to do it. Yeah. But yeah, the, I mean, the Cardinals scored 31 points in a game that suggests, well, yeah, they'll hit the over. They got 31 of them. Well, the Texans only contributed five. Uh, they only scored 22 points in their game at home most recently against the Patriots. Seemed like it could have been a whole lot more. This seems like the way to play it, going under. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just a disaster. Again, Mark Ingram's got to be so happy today that he is... Uh, well, that he's out of here, and um, nice enough guy, and good luck to him in, in New Orleans, where he's probably very happy that he is right now. You know, if the uh, Texans are stressing you out, if the World Series is stressing you out, maybe you need to just relax a little bit. Maybe you need some CBD. It'll help you just kind of center yourself and be a little less tense, like it has done for me. And I got it thanks to the trustedlab.com, but I'm not the only one who's benefiting from it. I've got pets in the house, as a lot of you guys do, and they make products for pets at thetrustedlab.com, and I've got two little dogs. One of them just absolutely goes haywire whenever the storms come through. That's when we know it's time to hook her up with the CBD products from thetrustedlab.com for your pets. It's the only CBD company that I trust. It's a Texas company with the highest quality CBD. It's made in America. And Lucy has been on the TrustedLab.com's products for a few months. You could definitely tell the huge difference. When that storm came through, it wasn't even a question. In fact, a lot of times, if we see the forecast, we will just go ahead and do a preemptive strike, if you will, because she goes absolutely insane if she doesn't have the amazing pet products from the TrustedLab.com. Again, uh, the TrustedLab.com lab tested the best stuff on the market on the planet. And right now, you can take an extra 20% off on all new subscriptions. They're throwing that in as well. All the details at their website, thetrustedlab.com. That's thetrustedlab.com. You don't have to be a pimp to get your lady to work. 
At your command, Mr. Bunby. She's always willing and able to give me what I want. I will play you Houston sports. That's right. Just ask your smart device to play Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. I am always giving it away for free. Alexa, keeping it trill for the OG as usual. You know what that music means. Time for the A-Team to go on campus as we get set for a weekend of college football. Our sister station, 950 KPRC, will bring you the action from TDECU Stadium tomorrow afternoon and evening, 6 p.m. kickoff between the undefeated SMU Mustangs visiting from the Metroplex. Taking on the Cougars. Cougars are 6-1. Both teams are undefeated in American Athletic Conference. Action and uh, hoping to put themselves in the driver's seat to find themselves in the championship game. We did mention the Cougars game during our Stone Cold Locks. Looking at the over-under, didn't mention that this game, as of now and where it's been for the last couple of days, is a pick em. I figured it would be pretty tight, because I think SMU's played a little bit more difficult of a schedule and clearly has accomplished everything they could have hoped for to this point in time uh, since they've won all of those games. I do think Tanner Mordecai is a lot to deal with, uh, the quarterback for SMU. Uh, but I also think the Cougars have gotten consistently better, uh, have improved from where they were really maybe the first three, four weeks of the season. I don't think there was a whole lot of change between how they played. Uh, but maybe over the last several games, the end of the East Carolina game notwithstanding, I almost cut them a break for uh, playing a, you know, being at the stadium for... I don't know, 11 hours for a football game, 12 hours, you whatever the case may be. It's just not normal. I mean, you got a 3 o'clock kickoff. You know, the first time I, I when I initially walked inside the stadium was between 1.30 and 2, and that's the time when the players are on the field for both teams going through their you know workout routine to prepare for the game. That's still 90 minutes plus before kickoff. Well, they've also been at the stadium for quite some time, uh, getting uniformed up, getting taped up, getting prepared. All, whatever it is their routine is, some four or five hours before, three, four or five hours before kickoff. Well, then you have to sit around five plus hours before you even get to the game. You have to re-loosen up before the game multiple times because there were two or three instances where either personnel from the teams came out to the field to kind of check on the conditions, and the conditions were actually very good for how much rain came down, very good drainage over there at TDECU, and the players even came out once to start getting ready again for play before being told to get back off of the field. And again, they didn't kick off till almost 9 o'clock. They weren't off the field until after they went to overtime, uh, just before the Saturday 3 p.m. kickoff turned to Sunday. So I think that game was a little bit outside of your normal conditions. But I think that's a pretty good spot to be. I, I think SMU is, is probably playing better football. But I do think this is the first time in a long time the Cougars really have something to get up for, to really realize this is a chance to to advance the Dana Holgerson era. It is a blackout game. I'm hoping for all the fans coming out there to uh, have their Cougar gear on and in black so they can really bring something to the table there. In that regard, I do think with the much better weather than last week, we'll see a big difference in uh, what the crowd and what the atmosphere is like for the players on the field. And I think Alton McCaskill can really turn into something special. He's kind of done that very, very quickly for a player who's uh, in his freshman campaign. He had the game-winning play last week or the go-ahead play in overtime with the 25-yard touchdown. 
touchdown run uh, to close out the only offensive possession, the only play the Cougars needed in overtime uh, before their defense uh, got the ball back for them. He's the key to their offense to me. I like how they've mixed in Henry. I do think they have some deep threats. Uh, They obviously, almost every week, and this week will be no different, have an advantage in the return game with Jones capable of taking it to the house every single time he's back there. So I think there's a lot of reasons to believe in the Cougars. I think it's tough to to bet on the Cougars in this one because I just really think think SMU can – can come in here and, and maybe escape with that uh, undefeated record intact. Okay, so U of H is 6-1, not in the top 25. Is that a surprise? Like I said, take a look at what they've done to get there. Yeah. And I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Now, they are 29th. Okay, so... They're not in the top 25, so they're but 29th. they're 29th. SMU is 19. Yep. Cincinnati's number two. Is there a path to SMU beating Cincinnati and getting any consideration? Like if like for like a playoff, I know it sounds crazy, but if if you if people think of of Cincinnati that highly, and SMU beats U of H, and then they run the table and they beat Cincinnati in two weeks, can I answer they're, you they're with so the scenario? Far, they're so far back. They are so far back. But do we sit here today with undefeated Cincinnati calling their biggest win of the season Notre Dame, and saying if they finish undefeated they're going to the playoffs? Yes. Okay. So. Am I going to sit here and say SMU's biggest win is over Cincinnati? I know. That's and the they're undefeated? That's the and problem. they're not going to the playoffs? Yes. Because, but if we think Cincinnati can get there, the problem and is, now we're saying another undefeated team is about to beat them. And I feel like you're right, and I feel like me asking this question is the right question to ask. The problem is, as I think what would really happen, is everyone would say, see, this is why we told you Cincinnati is not actually a top four team yep. and why they should have been blowing people out to stay in the top four, which is wrong. But if SMU runs the table, if if you think that highly of Cincinnati as a voter, you should have to think that highly of SMU as a voter if they run the table. You know what else is going to happen on their road to getting to the playoff? They're going to play. Their head coach will be somewhere else. Yeah. Sonny Dykes will be hired by somebody else if SMU is undefeated at the end of the season. Absolutely. Unless they were in the playoff. Well, he might want to say to the chancellor, to the AD, to the school president, let me set up a scenario for you. How about if I take this other job but stay here through the playoff? How's that sound to you? That would be bananas. That's college football at that time of year. I hate it, but and not it's just in the, the way it is. But not college football playoff. Well, we, I mean, I know Lane Kiffin did it, but he got more kicked to the curb by Nick Saban. Well, it's essentially happened before you had, like, were the Cougars not in a similar position when Coach Sumlin was there, when Coach Herman was there? And not Sumlin, Coach Herman, the undefeated season. Yeah. And things started to kind of unravel, and then they ultimately didn't get there because it, some yeah, people would say because true. of it. That's true. I think he's, um, again, we've got five jobs open already, and one of them is in the state of Texas, in Lubbock, at Texas Tech. Not sure where that job is regarded versus SMU's job. I understand I the difference. I SMU. The difference in conferences matters for now. But there's better jobs that are going to open. If five jobs are open already, Texas Tech is probably the, one of the worst jobs available. But you also have to like consider Michigan, who you are. Like, How highly okay. regarded will Sonny Dykes be if, considered around the country? If Mel Tucker takes the LSU job, do you think Sonny, do you think Sonny would get consideration from Michigan State? It's possible. It's like I think that's what you're waiting for. You're hoping that a big fish... 
goes to a big school, and then you can be that guy that goes in. If Cincinnati, well, not Cincinnati, dumb, same conference. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, look. No, I mean, here's the to point be, to be made. There's five jobs open. Guess who's getting hired for those five jobs? Five guys that will open up five other jobs. Yeah, like it's there's going to be a trickle down effect that if he doesn't want to be at SMU and be a better job, he's going to get one. It's a reasonable thought process to have, and very well could play out that way. We'll see how it shakes out. But again, it's it's nice to have a game like that, not just in Houston, because a lot of uh, the Cougars' big matchups or you know, this is a great opponent to match up against. They've they haven't been played on campus. Uh, they were over at. Uh, NRG Stadium, or previously at a stadium not as awesome at TDECU. So I'll be over there with all of the the people that uh, were able to join me, and I'm looking forward to seeing all of you out there tomorrow afternoon. And as we take it on campus each and every afternoon, right around this time on the A-Team, we are doing so thanks to my good friends over at Blackland Distillery. It's in Fort Worth. It's where their tasting room is, and it's where they continue to see great expansion. Not going to expand unless things are going well. They're not going to expand unless they're getting great support from you guys out there and in the area, and that's exactly what they're getting. But it's mainly because they're pumping out great stuff. What they're pumping out is ultra-premium spirits. Five varieties for you to enjoy and you find out what your favorite is maybe you already have a lean towards gin or vodka or something of the like well those are among the ultra premium spirits you can find right there from blackland distillery vodka gin bourbon they've got a rye whiskey and of course they've got the awesome super smooth little to no burn great tasting texas pecan brown sugar bourbon at the distillery there in fort worth all they're doing is using state-of-the-art technology, precision distilling techniques. That's how you create the clean, smooth spirits with the great flavor that I'm talking about. Find out more about them at blacklandfw.com. You know you're going to find them at all the uh, major distributors in around the Houston area, major liquor stores uh, here like Total Wine, like Specs, and a lot of your restaurants here in Houston are starting to carry it, and that's mainly because you've asked them about Blackland Distillery, so we certainly uh, appreciate that. They do as well. Continue to do that. If you're somewhere and you don't have it there ask them about getting it there like i said for more information on these awesome ultra premium spirits as you head into your college football weekend check them out blacklandfw.com adam and adam take houston sports very seriously it's everything else in life that they take lightly. I'm a bad father. And their wives love them for it. All he cares about is winning. Back to the A-Team on Sports Talk 790. Approaching the uh, 5 o'clock hour here. We'll shift over to football when we get there. Football at 5 featuring Aaron Reese of The Athletic. Talk a little bit about the Texans and continuing to move forward with Davis Mills. As starting quarterback, one of the topics we've been talking about this afternoon because of the weather in Atlanta uh, here on today's A-Team, Wex Clanton, Joe George here with you, is the inability to hit the field at any point. It's called BP, but it's an opportunity for all of the infielders to, to see what it's like on the infield grass, to see what it's like on the dirt, to see what it's like as you shift into the outfield grass where they position their fielders quite a bit, and then for the outfielders to just get a feel for the ballpark in, in in every aspect, and it's for two of the three outfielders that will be playing 
a an unfamiliar position. Kyle Tucker in center, Michael Brantley in right. Dusty Baker's talking with the media right now, and he was asked that very question by Daniel Danielle Lerner over at the Chronicle about <coughs> how much of an effect do you think that might have, and and how concerned are you that you've had limited ability to have your guys on the field? And Dusty said, "We've had no ability. We haven't taken any balls off the bat out there." And he went back to the Boston series. You remember that play that uh, ate up Altuve? He said you you sometimes get a feel for how things will go just by the look of the grass, the feel of the grass, and you know it turned out it was the exact opposite there with the way it was skipping off that and referenced the ball that was hit uh, at Correa similarly. So he, he's concerned that they haven't had a chance to go out there and, and get time on the field and, and said hopefully there's a few more strikeouts and, and very few, if any, adverse plays uh, for his team. Yuli Gurriel met with the media earlier. Phil Maton out of the Astros' arm barn uh, met with the media in between. Stop saying that. <laughs> Yuli and uh, Dusty Baker, our bestest buddy, Chandler Rome, also of the Houston Chronicle. Even though Phil had some really good, insightful answers today, this was the best question, and it elicited the best answer. And Chandler went to one of our favorite topics. We usually enjoy it when it comes to basketball reference, but this is a baseball player, so here's Chandler's question to Phil Maton. Phil, your, your nickname on baseball reference is Spin Rate. Does anyone actually call you that? <laughs> no, no, it was, a, it was kind of a joke. My, I think it was my rookie year where we had to put. That was the first year MLB did the, um, the players' weekend, so I had to do something. And uh, one of my teammates was, you know, I'm obviously being quiet, just being, you know, standard rookie hiding in the corner of the clubhouse, just trying to make the team. And uh, someone just put it in for me, so because that was kind of the gimmick back then. Was spin rate was starting to show up and it was starting to become a bigger thing in analytics, so that was my, my gimmick. So that's what they did. Is it bad that I don't think I've ever heard Phil Maton speak? That's baseball in 2021. He's only been here two plus months. I love him. You can't go into the clubhouse. You're normally not talking to a lot of guys, especially bullpen guys, when they're coming on and off the field during workouts, and we obviously weren't out there. It's a very niche interview subject. They tend to work out between three and six most days when they're at home, and unless it's a workout day during the playoffs when we're out there for an early workout, which we were three or four times so far this postseason, uh, just not a whole lot of it. Not only that, not just you not talking to him, me not talking to him. When does a middle reliever meet with the media under these Zoom conditions? He would have had to come to the plate and hit a homer or strike out all six guys he faced. When he's or, pitching his balls off throughout yeah. the playoffs, maybe? Well, during the playoffs, but, yeah. they're, they're running out of players <clears throat> to do pregame because normally your pregame pitcher is the pitcher who's pitching in the next game. But the further you get in the playoffs, the less likely you are to have already named your starting pitcher. Neither team is named a starting pitcher for Game 4, feel so there like is no pitcher specifically designated to meet with the media. Is this too extreme? I know what you'll say, but just just humor me, both of you. If Phil Maton stays the way he has been in this postseason, there's no way the Astros lose the World Series, right? I mean, that's a little much, I think. I know it is, but like well, every think, time he's brought go, in... I think you have to go past that. It's Yimmy Garcia, Phil Maton, Christian Javier, Kendall Graveman... These guys who they acquired that and, weren't good in the regular season, like Javier, who's been bad in the regular season or not great, they've elevated their game so much that it just changed the dynamic of the game. If you get out of three starts, if you get one start where a guy goes six innings as a starter, you're in a great spot. And and maybe Odorizzi can do what he did again at some point. He will almost have to. And again, if today goes like they want it to, and they obviously haven't specifically indicated what that plan would be, but it seems pretty obvious. 
you do not use Zach Greinke, you do not use Jake Odorizzi, and I think they will almost assuredly not use Christian Javier, mostly because if they want to be careful with him. The other two guys, I think, would be technically available, but if those first two you know, year-long starters are not used today, I think it's reasonable to expect them to pitch six innings of Game 4. Whether it's Granke for the first two and Odorizzi for the next four, whether it's three and three, whether you decide to give the ball to Odorizzi first, which if you feel one of them is much better with their routine, if they are the guy that gets to go through their normal routine, then maybe you choose that way. But but I think those two guys are going to be expected uh, to pitch heavy innings in game four if they have been in a position to not have needed them uh, through this point in the postseason. Just point this out from... Uh, the work you've gotten from these relievers, because I gave you the overall numbers a little earlier. Maton's pitched in nine of the Astros' 12 postseason games. Eight and a third, eight Ks, one run, and that came on a home run. He's only given up four hits. Stanek's pitched seven and two-thirds, given up two runs. Graveman's pitched eight innings, given up one run. Presley's pitched seven innings, given up one run. We gave you Javier's numbers the other day. He's thrown a complete game. Nine innings, no runs, 15 Ks. Those are your top five relievers, and they've given up five runs, or excuse me, four runs between them. Uh, they've been, no, five runs. They've been insane. I hope it continues for another three to five. It would be nice. Uh, this is big. Just one breaking news sounder? Joe, you know what to do. Not my gimmick. Perfect. <laughs> Great response. Wow. Rehired. Rain is letting up a little bit. It's still pretty cold, Uh, and the wind is picking up, blowing right to left. What a letdown. World Series Game 3 from Atlanta. Pre-game coverage starts in 30 minutes on Sports Talk 790. Road coverage presented by Carbach. That's from Chris Gordy. What a letdown. What? This is big. It was. He he included a picture, too. No kidding. It's (laughs) raining. Are you sure? (laughs) All right. uh, Real quick, before we do go to break, I want to tell you guys about uh, Living Designs Furniture. Hey, where are you going to watch your your viewing of the Astros World Series games all weekend long? If you're staying at home, and I realize a lot of you guys are going out, maybe going to the official viewing party at Minute Maid Park, maybe you're going to places around town, but maybe you just want to stay in the comfort of your home. And if that's the case, why not make that comfort even more so with Living Designs Furniture? Have them... Uh, design something for you that can be personalized to your needs, your family's needs, and get it in your home ASAP. Living Designs Furniture can do just that, whether it's a chair, sofa, an entire room of furniture, whatever you can think of, whatever you can dream up, whatever you can bring a picture of that you saw somewhere else, and it cost way more there. And you want them to make it for you at the greatest and exact quality, but at a much lower price, They can do that. In fact, that's the exact scenario that my wife uh, brought to them. She had a picture of this sofa she wanted. Uh, She knew exactly how the style of it needed to be, the color, the material, uh, the design of the actual sofa itself. And she said, I don't want to pay a gajillion dollars like they're wanting to charge me over here. I would like you to make this at a much lower price. And that's what Living Designs Furniture did. They're able to do that because the manufacturing goes on right here in Houston. This is a localist of local companies. You are absolutely supporting a local business when you go with Living Designs Furniture because they are not going to be charged for shipping and they're going to pass those savings along to you. Living Designs Furniture and their website, livingdesignsfurniture.com. Tell them Adam Clanton from Sports Talk 790 sent you over. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A-Team. A-Team. Are you ready for some football? 
it's five o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock here on the A-Team. It's Friday afternoon, the weekend of football ahead of us, other than a couple of games last night on the college and pro side. The pro got started with now two 7-1 teams, the Packers and the Cardinals. Packers coming up with a big victory. Last big play made in that game, of course, by... Texans, former Texans defensive back, Russell Douglas, who picked off Kyler Murray at the end to sew up the victory for the Packers. Let's talk some Texans football with Aaron Reese, covers the team for the Athletic. But as we get into this, Aaron, I know what you've been talking about this week on Twitter, on social media. I know what you've had a chance to talk to the Texans about, especially today when uh, you had the chance to catch up, or this week when you spoke with uh, Davis Mills. I saw an interview with Dean Peace, the Falcons defensive coordinator, and he was asked about why they're doing certain things with their defense, you know, backing off in zone, doing this. And instead of answering the question, he asked the uh, person who asked the question, well, what would you do? Or how do you think this works? Or why do you think that? So you asked Davis Mills about their lack of explosive plays. What would you do if you were looking at this offense, how they're running things, to try to get, I don't know, one or two of them over a 60-minute time frame this Sunday? Oh man. Well, okay. I think what what are they currently doing? They could do better. For one, is that they run a ton of screen passes and they're not blocking them very well. So they're only generating two yards per attempt on wide receiver and tight end screens, which is bad when you're running like some of the most in the league, obviously, and you're last in yards per attempt on those plays. So executing just better in those, it was a start. Um, I think the other thing is to keep in mind is that, you know the the excuse that, or I shouldn't say excuse, the reasoning that David Kelly has. Uh, and Davis Mills, too, and Tim Kelly, all of them, is that um, when they are playing from behind the sticks, they don't they feel like they're pressed uh, and that, you know, you don't want to be in a position where the opponent wants to tee off on your rookie quarterback who is not super mobile who uh, um, and who's not playing behind a great offensive line. The last two things David Kelly did not say, but I know it's part of the, the thinking, too. And so you want to try to protect them by staying ahead of the sticks. And, and I get all that, but at some point, I think there's maybe some level of self-evaluation, which is that, uh, this team has not run the ball well all year. They are the worst rushing offense in the league, and also they run the ball with um, one of the highest frequencies in the league. So if, I'm not saying they should go all, um, you know, be pass happy like they're the Chiefs or the Bills or something, but I think if you're working um, a few more throws in on early downs, uh, and you're, you know, you're keeping your defense off, the defense off balance. Maybe you're gaining six yards on first down because you, you passed instead you ran into the middle of the line for no gain. Then suddenly you are ahead of the sticks a little bit more. And I think the other thing is that, you know, it seems like part of the logic is, well, on third and 15, they don't have the ability to just go get 15 yards. And I understand that. I'm not saying it's, it's that easy, but I think that this team also does not have the ability to throw at eight yards and then have an athlete who really can make up the yards in most instances. Um, so I think they need to try to be more aggressive early on in possessions. And if they're not, um, they just don't have the talent that they can matriculate the ball downfield, you know, on these 12, 15 play drives. I know they've done it a few times, but they have with Davis Mills, but I think they scored what less than five points in three of his four starts, five or less. That's pretty stinky. Uh, shout out a three point game and a five point game, meaning all three were without touchdowns. Uh, you mentioned the not so nimble quarterback, at least nimble enough 
to outrun J.J. Watt. Apparently on the play, he tore up his entire shoulder, chest, and pec area, which sends him out for the season. How was his arm still attached? Well, he ended up also continuing to play uh, some more of that game, but we're seeing more and more of of these ex-Texans elsewhere, and this week was no different. Officially, finally, the Texans, after Mark Ingram had already spoken as a member of the Saints, acknowledged that he had been traded to the Saints. So take me through where you think this hits the Texans' locker room, because when the deal was made, the Texans were actually during doing player interviews with the media at the time when that news broke a couple days ago. We saw the tweet from Brandon Cooks, but now we've also heard from Mark Ingram. We played that for our listeners a little bit earlier about how he said the trade went down, that the team came to him, and they discussed the option that they would give him if he wanted them to engage in that uh, possible trade with the Saints. What do you think all that has done inside the Texans' locker room? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously players were not happy about it initially when you hear something like that. I think he was obviously a a leader and, uh, and, you know, their best running back, too. But I do think that uh, um, I saw some people reply to the Saints tweets like uh, rare, like Texans uh, win kind of. And I do think, you know, if you, if you lay it out that way, um, I think it, it, under, it makes sense. You know, they're, they're trying to do right by a guy who obviously David Cully has a lot of respect for. He brought him in here to be a leader. Um, you know, so I, I think they're trying, they, they maybe we don't get rid of him otherwise if it's a different team. So good on them for that. Uh, I, at the same time, though, it is, it's tough to contend the idea that you're getting rid of maybe the only guy who was kind of able to, to build some sort of running game behind this offensive line. You're getting rid of him, but then you say, you know, eventually Tyrod Taylor is going to come back because uh, competing is still the priority. And it's it's just kind of tough to uh, um, to kind of toe the line there between what they're trying to do. Uh, I think they're at, they're at a bit of a crossroads of how they want to manage this thing. Um, you know, even if uh, Mark Ingram was kind of the, uh, the, right, the right fit for him to get traded or whatever, and they're doing right by him, Maybe not all the guys have earned quite the same status. I do think the fact that they got a, uh, a reported 2024 seventh round pick, literally as late of a pick as they could possibly get <laughs> in return for him, I do think is a sign that probably uh, we will see more guys go. Uh, it, I won't use the term fire sale, but I do think obviously they are in position to be sellers. And there's um, there's a few other guys on this team who I kind of think maybe uh, might get moved before Tuesday or at least be able to watch. And in that vein, I'd like you to uh, painstakingly break down Brandon Cooks' tweet in response to said deal. <laughs> uh, he doesn't he doesn't curse very often i saw someone looked it up that he hadn't cursed on twitter in years so he clearly was upset but he was back at practice today uh, i think um i mean he obviously like you mentioned he was right after interviews he sees the news so he probably saw it on twitter like everyone else i'm not sure necessarily he knew kind of the background to it um that he, uh, in terms of, you know, the Texans coming to Mark Ingram after he's interested in this and them saying at least that he's the only team they would do this for. So, uh, you know, he, yeah, he is close to Mark Ingram. They were teammates together in New Orleans. And so I think he was at least initially upset. Maybe if once he heard the reasoning, he feels a little better about it. I guess we'll ask him next week. And he could be someone else, although he said in the past, recent past, he doesn't plan on being traded ever again. Trade deadline comes November 2nd. Obviously, the situation with Deshaun Watson remains exactly as it has been uh, since the beginning of the season, since he was not put on the commissioner's exempt list. We've since heard from the commissioner and other owners about this situation and the reasoning behind him not going on it then and likely not going on it until they have more information. And every time I say that, I also say until they have any information, it's my belief 
chief is their investigation is basically at step zero. Uh, I don't think there, of course, there's no reason for them to do anything about it because they don't have any information that would send them to that list. But this week also, the Panthers publicly said they're not in the running for a trade by November 2nd. And again today, the Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores was pressed, uh, I thought, very well by Uh, I believe it was Cameron Wolf in Miami, about his line, which has remained unchanged. He continues to say, two is our quarterback, while never uttering the line, we're not looking to add Deshaun Watson, or I don't believe the rumors, or uh, anything like that. As we sit here three days out from the deadline on Tuesday, where do you think this will be the day after the deadline? Watson's still in the same position he sits in today? Yeah, it seems to be trending that way, you know. I... uh, it seems kind of just like things have uh, have uh, sputtered out a little bit, and um, it, or and also you know I think Brian Flores' comments today that he's barring injury he doesn't see two is going to be started the rest of the year. I know you can say one thing and do something else, but I think it's a little bit of a harder comment to walk back. He's a little more forceful. I did think it was a good line of questioning, like you mentioned from Cam Wolf about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I I always kind of thought that. Um, it made more sense to move him afterwards anyway, just because, you know, you would know the slots of the draft picks and um, you would have maybe more suitors, more teams to become disenchanted with their quarterbacks at the end of the year, more regimes that change, all, all sorts of reasons. Obviously, he has control if he wants to go to Miami. Um, then he can go to Miami, though I think the longer he sits out, um, you know, I have to imagine if the Texans get a much better offer somewhere else, Maybe he, you know, he feels less inclined to just, he has to go to this one place or, you know, so we'll see. But I think that, um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's trending in, in a way that they need to make the trade and they don't need to make the trade right now. You know, I, I think we talked about this last time I was on here. It's like the thing you're hedging against if you make the trade right now is that, um, the potential of it getting worse for him, uh, from a legal standpoint. You know, I mean, we, there's not been a, uh, there's been criminal complaints filed. There's not been criminal charges filed. Uh, it hasn't been taken before a grand jury yet. Uh, the FBI has spoken to Watson, and uh, is, depending on what the lawyers say, you know, looking at kind of both sides of it. So uh, that more could happen here, and I think the truth is we just don't have clarity. And so um, it's hard to kind of predict that team would want to do it now and when they weren't willing to do it in, the, in August. And, you know, not much has really changed in between those two times. Did you anticipate, and I, I mean, I can't for sure, for certain and for sure say this, but it's kind of assumed. Did you anticipate his camp leaking as much as they have throughout this ordeal, considering what he's up against from a legal standpoint? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think obviously, um, I think obviously this is kind of, he, if, if he's not going to speak for himself and he hasn't held a press conference, then this is just kind of the way that uh, that information gets out there. Um, so I don't know if I anticipate how much leaking or, or lack of leaking there would be and stuff, but I think that, all told, it kind of it makes sense. Right? I mean, this is how a player engineers his way out without having to kind of speak up for why he wants to be out. I mean, to this day, we still don't know why he's requested a trade. At least he has not said formally why he's requested a trade. That would be the first question I'd want to ask him if I wasn't allowed to ask any legal questions at his press conference whenever whatever team he goes to. Isn't that crazy, though? That's insane, and it's true. But that's that's where we stand. We still haven't been able to ask him if that's even a thing, which we know it is. Right. No, exactly. I mean, I, you know, like, what are, what are his reasonings? And if, if, if he was traded to Miami, say, what would you say is, why, why this one's 16, but not that other one in 16? <laughs> you know, like, and, and, if, and if anything, it's kind of funny. I, I, I understand there's more than just maybe the team outlook here, but like, uh, if whatever team trades them, if, if it was, let's say it's Miami, and they give up this whole bevy of assets. So you're looking at a team that's not very good, that's one in six. And now there's now a little draft capital, and then this other one, 16, you could join, is now going to have, are you're presently on, 
is going to inherit all this draft capital. So from like a pure, like just kind of like assets management standpoint, obviously the Dolphins would then have a really, really good quarterback, but you know, he'd be in somewhat of a similar spot. So I think it's hard to say this is really just about, about winning. He seems to desire that location and that team for some other reason. And it would be nice to know whatever that reason is whenever he speaks publicly. Well, he could be rejoining an injured Will Fuller as well. <laughs> That's right. He's been out. He's only played two games this year, just like all times. I, I feel bad because I like Will, but unfortunately, this what appeared to be a minor injury has kept him out for so far more than half of uh, this season. Always appreciate the time. Good stuff uh, with us, and obviously, good stuff in the athletic is the first topic we talked about. Uh, you've written about heavily and extensively this week the lack of explosive plays for an offense whose last three road games have produced zero touchdowns. They'll hope to do a little bit differently as they head into a game. They're 16-point underdogs in at their home stadium on Sunday. That is where I will see you next, noontime, at NRG Stadium. Appreciate it, Aaron. See you then. Bye. Thank you. He's looking forward to it. He cannot wait. Bye. He cannot wait. (laughs) It's going to be great. Uh, That's Hey, that is one way to pass the time before the next World Series installment. Another evening game. That game will be six minutes later than the other six scheduled Why World Series that? games. Uh, on th- uh, for some reason, Halloween evening, which happens to be a Sunday night, uh, they're not. You know, these all these games have a six thirty um, national pregame show before the seven oh nine first pitch. Uh-huh. That game, the pregame show will start at seven, so they'll just have a fifteen minute pregame show instead of the fuller. They must either. It's probably because it's an NFL Sunday. Ah, uh, has nothing to do with Halloween. Correct. Okay. It's not a holiday-driven, TV-related Carson's going to get his candy before that game starts. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, and you guys will eat it all like all the parents do, myself included. Oh, he's going to help. I imagine at that age, he probably will try to eat too much all at one time. Let me tell you about what you could do while the kids are trick-or-treating. You've seen people in the neighborhood do this. Table sets up outside. you got a little bowl of candy. It says, take one, please. And you're off in your, your rocking chair, your bench. Uh, your your whatever chair you've brought out to the front lawn to enjoy the evening with your cooler by your side, full of ice cold, refreshing, perfectly chilled Bud Light. And even before you get to the holiday on Sunday, well, get your tailgate going on Saturday. Come on out and enjoy football. We've got it going on with the uh, Cougs and the Mustangs, and I can't wait to get together with uh, your uh, the group of winners we have for this week, just like last week in the Bud Light Cougar Den, and enjoy those ice-cold Bud Lights along yours truly, as I can't wait uh, to get to the football and get to these ice-cold, refreshing, perfectly chilled Bud Lights. Sunday, maybe you do have tickets to go see uh, the football team over at NRG Stadium, and that means you can also be using those and enjoying those, and emptying those specially designed Bud Light NFL cans. The uh, bottles and cans say we are Texans for your local football team. Enjoy that Bud Light safely and responsibly just like I do. Bud Light, it's for the fans. From Red Nation Rally. And the Rockets score the final eight. To crush City Comeback. And the Astros win it in the bottom of the ninth. This is Sports Talk 790. Your home for your home teams. A team winding down here on Sports Talk 790 because we will step aside at the bottom of the hour for Astros on Deck live from Atlanta. Michael Connor, Chris Gordy out there where the rain has been the talk of the day and it will not affect tonight's game and they'll play it. I mean, it will affect tonight's game. How? 
the tarps, well, but on the field, it's, it's rainy completely and dry. windy. The conditions will affect tonight's game, undoubtedly. But they are anticipating still playing it and not having any delays. It will be. It'll have an impact. Looking at that overhead shot, it might be the most basic B outfield I've ever seen. Like the, for the type of things we're talking about, well, we didn't get the workout on the field. Dusty said he was very concerned that well, his there, team he, didn't get a pre. Yeah, but he wasn't talking about playing off the. Like the, you're right. There's no monster. There's no nooks and crannies. True, uh, that some other ballparks present, and the Astros ballpark is one of them. But he is concerned about how the ball uh, comes off the grass, comes off the dirt, comes off the lips of the grass towards the dirt. All those things. That, that's what he was referring to. A little bit less so about any of the oddities of the actual shape of the outfield wall and, and the ballpark itself, because you're right, it is un- un- probably fortunate for the Astros. That's one other thing they, they don't have to deal with. It would have been just added to the list. Uh, our buddy Ben Verlander ranked the top five World Series performers so far. Would you agree or disagree with this? Number five, Jorge Soler. Uh, number four, Jose Urquidy. Number three, Michael Brantley. Uh, number two, Ozzy Albies. And number one... Jose Altuve. Is that about on par with how you would rank? Well, I would never rank players after two games, for one thing. No, it's it's so far. Uh, Ozzy Albies does not belong in the top five. He's not had a good series. I was about to say. He's hitting a bunch one... of bleeders that have landed him on first base that are called hits. Correct. And he's been bad defensively. Exactly. So he's that's definitely why, not in my top five. That's why when I saw him at two, that's the one that stuck, stuck out on that list. Brantley's been roping shots all over the place. Uh, you know, their manager, Brian Snitker, uh, said he's basically amazed by him. And as, you know he's known people who've known him. And he's had a chance to, to talk a lot about him over the years. And then more, more notably here in this series he definitely belongs in that top five uh i mean jose altuve i don't know that's tough like well who would you make number one well, right I mean, what, now what did altuve do he scored the first run and the last run of a 7-2 game what did he do in the other game that they lost and i know it's 1-1 so how do you put people there no and again this is this is uh in a series that's 1-1 it's it's very difficult to do Jorge Soler had a homer in the first game, so he landed in the top five, his first at bat. And that's it. But we're two games in. If you hit a homer, you've been awesome. So who would be number one? I'd probably say Jose Urquidy. See, that that is, I think, a very good choice. Based on the amount of contributions relative to the lack of amount of games... He's probably that's probably a good good pick. I was thinking of going with the other Verlander here this segment. Justin Verlander uh, posted a rehab video uh, from uh, earlier this week, as most of his social media posts do this season, generated a lot of negativity, a lot of interaction because that means he decided to interact with several of the people who decided to post on his Instagram post. Uh, some good, some not so good. We talked to Ben about his not being around the team all year. He gave the explanation about all the rehab work that he's doing, and there is a, a COVID aspect to this as well, and some of the policies. So someone had written on his Instagram, thanks for giving up on the Astros. And Verlander responded to that one, said, right, I gave up because I came out of the bullpen in the playoffs and pitched on short rest in the playoffs and then blew out my elbow. But yeah, keep telling me how I gave up on the team. He had another response to that several chain of responses there said about why not 
get to the to the ballpark, go see these guys, you know, be in the duck, whatever. And he said, tried to visit multiple times, was told I'd have to quarantine before I could see any of the team. It didn't work with my rehab schedule. As for Astros facilities, when I started my rehab, I was told I couldn't even step foot in any of their facilities and needed to find my own people to rehab with. So once I established my own rehab team, it's not so easy to switch, even if I didn't care about the other player getting their time with the Astros staff. And he had those comments to a couple other people as well about, well, if I go rehab with the team, now I need their time. I need the trainer's time with me instead of working with players at the, that are know, going to be playing, going to be playing, yeah. trying to get to the playoffs now in the playoffs. I all these actually things. actually think that the COVID aspect here is really a bigger hurdle for everybody involved than people that are going on here and commenting are willing to believe. And look, it's it's nothing has been normal about that aspect of our world, obviously. But sports is is no stranger to things just being changed on the fly. I mean, look at the, the the ghost runner on second base. That's that's because of COVID originally. So I, I, I know a lot of you don't want to believe it, and I'm not even giving him a free pass. I, I would have liked to have seen him. But if that's really the case, and then if he is rehabbing six days a week, like Ben told us on this show this week. And he mentioned week, in the same string of tweets and responses. I mean, I if you've got something as serious as that, and you've gotten into a routine, and it's going to be... A lot of trouble just to do it here versus just staying with what you're doing. I, I just, I don't, I don't know, man. The guy came here and helped you win a World Series. I, I'd give him a little bit more leeway. I as, as would I. Uh, he Another response. I'm not saying he's not a diva or any of that kind of stuff. He is, but I just don't think this is it. He said, I'd love to be there, but I have rehab every day. I would have to monopolize the trainers for hours, the bullpen coach and catcher an hour, strength coaches for an hour each day. I'm sure they don't have to help any players who are actually playing. And he said in response to not responding a whole lot this year or even tweeting stuff out, and we did notice several times during the playoffs, he sent out a tweet about his own feelings about how the Astros are playing. Yeah, He sent a rounders gif after Carlos Correa won a game. Pay that man his money. Exactly. And so he said, as for tweeting, I find myself wanting to say something all the time, but it sucks when people just want to talk bleep. Not worth it. Easier for me to just cheer them on without I, tweeting. And he's right. And believe it or not, and I know a lot of you don't. That's how I feel a lot of days because of how people just they just want to argue. They all it's all they want to do. What if this guy does this rehab, comes back, and he's in the Cy Young running for the Astros next year? Are you going to feel dumb? Because you should. If that happens that way, you should not feel dumb. If you go to Classic Chevy in Sugarland or Classic Chevy Highway 6, you should feel the opposite. You should feel like that was a very smart decision. And I'm going to go out of my way to call out their service department because I dealt with them over the last 12 or so hours. They were fantastic. Actually, let's make that 24 hours. Dropped off the truck last night um, as they were shutting down. And they were very, very accommodating. They do the same thing for you guys, though, as well. It's not just because I speak for them. They really went above and beyond. Uh, the service department, uh, Gordon, was fantastic. All of the people at the service department. That's something that you can get uh, when you purchase a new vehicle at Classic Chevy in Sugarland. Two years of free maintenance. That is included when you purchase that new vehicle, and along with a lifetime engine guarantee and a lifetime of car washes. It's all at both locations. That Classic Chevy in Sugarland location, the GM dealer of the year 10 years in a row. The Highway 6 location, 
open for your convenience every single Sunday. That's how Jeff and Tiffany Sebastian have mapped it out. They will show you what it means to relax and enjoy the difference. Tell them the entire A-team sent you over to Classic Chevy and Sugarland and Classic Chevy Highway 6. That will do it for us here on a Friday. Have a great World Series weekend, everyone. We'll obviously have a lot to discuss when we get back in here on Monday, but we are going to make way for... Astros on deck, expanded coverage live from Atlanta. Michael Connor, Chris Gordy with you in a matter of moments. For Joe, for Wex, I'm AC. It is the A team here on Sports Talk 790. We will talk all things World Series and maybe even a little Texans on Monday. See you later!